Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I am the co-host of this here show, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, Troy Adam. With me is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, and the main event collector. He is the Jose Estrada Jr. to my Savio Vega. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? Why do I get him? Wasn't he the, the one that's super hairy? I believe so. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not that Mexican. He, oh my gosh. He was I think he was the one by Edge in Edge's debut, I want to say. I and that was like his last match cuz that was one if anybody goes back and watches Edge's debut, Edge does like a front flip over the top rope and like tomahawks his leg down on top of Jose's head and they have to stop the match. So, I'll always oh, remember that about Edge him. Edge hurting someone instead of getting hurt. 
I know, right? Well, and he hurt the great Jose Estrada Jr., man. I mean, I, how do you come back from that one and show your face in the locker room? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are... Order Los Periquas, man. They were on fire at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah, they had one of the... I can't even joke about this. They had like one of the worst theme songs of all time. It was just awful. Did and I think you they were... that? I don't ever remember finding yeah, that. Yeah. He, well, he did during the entrance. He had a mic and he would walk to the ring rapping. So. Okay. I, I mean, I, I made the song, but yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's probably him. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. But either way, today we are talking about uh, D Generation X in your house. It's from the year 1997, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, let me try that again. Last of the year. Yeah, it's from the year 1997. Uh, the last event before we head into 98. Chugging along. Sean is champion. We are about to get Stone Cold repeating in the Royal Rumble. But this time, he will actually main event WrestleMania. I was there. Yeah, screw you. Wait, you were there at WrestleMania 14? No, the Royal Rumble. Oh, oh, that's yeah, that's right. Okay, I remember because I I told you I hated you about that because that was the one where Kane came out and wrecked the Undertaker's crap inside the casket. Uh, it sounded wrong. We had flashbacks to Katie Vick. <laughs> Good lord! Come on, <laughs> he wrecked her inside of a casket. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but this one. On, this is also the very last event before it's officially Attitude Era, too, if you think about it. Um, I mean, that's up for debate, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I the mean, official stars when Vince McMahon gives that speech, which is a week or so after this, so. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big time in the WWF. WCW's chugging along as well. I mean, I will say, obviously, WCW won this month with pay-per-views. I mean, I don't think there's really a question of that. This, this was... It's funny because, like, this if you think about it, like Vince gives that speech this month. So, what was like October, November, the turning point? He goes, I can't take this crap anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know, and right? He's like, I'm, You had all I this time get... to do it. You pick now to do it. I mean, that's just. It's like, I've been getting my ass paddled like an ill behaved child for far too long. God dang it. <laughs> oh, man. 98 was, yeah, 98 was when they uh, broke the 83 week streak, correct? April 98. I yeah. mean, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Austin versus McMahon was the first, was, was the first raw. They broke the love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've but often joked that still... Mick Foley was like very integral part of killing WCW because he was in that segment, that end of their streak. And then of course he won the title the night they gave it yeah. away, which is the yeah. last night I think WCW ever won the rings war. So when you think about it, Foley was like very instrumental in killing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was, he, he's, he's not, uh, looked upon as like such an, you know, a, a key player in it, but you know, you always look at rock and Austin and whatever, but honestly, like you said, it was, you know, Mick Foley played, played a big part in all of it. And, you know, regardless of anything else, he was always there. He was always at least near the top. So, uh, but he, you know, he's not the focal point of this show that we're going to get to. Uh, it is in your house, Degeneration X or Degeneration X in your house, whatever. We'll talk about that uh, here in a few, but let's get into the news and notes of time, shall we? Let's do it. 
follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back from our first break of the podcast. Let's get into all the news and notes of the time. December 1997. The medical examiner's office has released their final report on Brian Pillman, listing the cause of death as natural causes due to, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this as best I can, uh, arioscoletor, whatever, heart disease. Something to do with the arteries in his heart. The autopsy showed that Pillman's heart had only been working at about 55% prior to his death. Damn. Yeah. It's hard to believe, but man. Too many, too many times this has happened uh, with, you know, just, I mean, it happens to people too, but like you think about just like the randomness of like, nobody knew he had an issue, then boom, he just dies in a hotel room. Eddie Guerrero, nobody knew he had an issue, boom, he's dead on the bathroom floor of the hotel. And I mean, I'm even, th- even thinking it wasn't a heart problem per se, but David Von Erich uh, goes over to Japan, something ruptures in his stomach and then he just like dies on the bed. And they won't find him until the next day. One of my favorite actors was John Ritter. He died sim- similar fate too. They didn't even know something wrong with his heart. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I never knew what happened to John Ritter. I never really. I, I just he know just went to the hospital. And... He was in there, and then he was gone. Wow, yeah. that sucks, man. Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart may be debuting on WCW this week, but it's not for sure. There's also some question over whether he can use the Hitman nickname. Uh, did did he debut around this time or I at this time? I think he debuted the night after this event we're about to do, I believe. Oh, okay. Maybe the next uh, week. He definitely debuted like at least two weeks before Starcade to announce he was going to be the ref. I know. I know that um, I read a story that I didn't even think about it until like, you know, today where that's more of a thing uh, that people dispute. But I guess that was a big legal battle there. Or, well, not big, but it was a legal battle there for a month, you know, with uh, him and WWE where he was like, well, I, you know, I should be able to use the nickname. They said, no, 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 we own that. And then the court said, no, he actually called himself the hitman before WWF. So he can use it wherever he wants. Plus, he owned the Calgary, or partially owned the Calgary Hitmen, so he would debut, by the way, the week after this event. Yeah. Oh, oh the like, uh, not the next Nitro, but the one after that? Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So it was uh, exactly two weeks before Starcade. Uh, okay. I just can't believe that they dropped the ball with him so badly. Like, they had, I get, like, they didn't have to put him in the main event of Starcade. But like the you know a big match on the undercard maybe, I mean you could have shotgunned something pretty quickly with him. My whole I thing mean, is the debut day. I mean why wasn't he on the night after Montreal? My God, I, yeah. Man. Of all the things Bischoff did, and that's not one of them. 
for God's sake. I think and they he were did worried. say that was one of his biggest regrets. <laughs> that just that doesn't even seem like a bad idea in hindsight. That just seems like a bad idea on the face of it. We're gonna let it cool down. You know, just it's too hot. Yeah, <laughs> we, we not, might get an extra two million viewers. It's, no, we're yeah, not doing right. that. Right, and 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 maybe we won't put him in a big match at our biggest event of the year. And we'll we'll hold off on that one. Yeah, you know, I mean. Who, who do we got that we could put him in the ring with? I don't know. Freaking anybody? To be really fair, almost every big name was involved in a huge match that night. <laughs> well, they didn't even have to put him in a match with a big name. Just have him in like a, I don't know, have him in a match against it. Because he was going against Hogan in the NWO. Throw him in there against, I don't know, Vincent. I mean, somebody. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. I did. I would have watched Bret Hart versus Vincent. <sighs> Shut up. Come on. All right. Anyway, you should be slapped for that. Are you saying that Big Vince didn't deserve a match at Starcade? That's exactly what I'm saying. How dare you? All they had to give him was 20 bucks and some pasta from Olive Garden. He was happy, so they didn't really need to use him. Hey, they have never ending breadsticks right now, man. So I'm sure he's happy as hell. Not here. You got to ask for extra and maybe get them. Man, that's a. That's you can't jank, go in. Man. Yeah. <laughs> WCW World War Three is in the books and it pretty much sucked. Eddie Guerrero versus well, Rey Mysterio. Sucked. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. stole the show, but that's not saying much as it wasn't as good as their Halloween Havoc match. Goldberg had to pull out of the, his scheduled match with Steve McMichael. Oh no! Due to a groin injury, so they did an angle where he was attacked backstage. Ric Flair and Kurt Hennig got a decent match, but both of them are inconsistent at best these days in the ring, and it wasn't a good night for either of them. The final three men in the 60-man battle royal were Scott Hall, The Giant, and DDP, with Hall ending up winning the match. So uh, I gotta say this because it's the one time I've ever like loved something Dave Meltzer has said. When you said that he stole the show, I'm like, well, you can say that, but then you accuse him of petty theft. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it's probably Meltzer's best one he's ever had, ever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, this one, I, I, I didn't watch World War III 97. Uh, you were correct when we reviewed World War III 99, and you were like, I swear Scott Hall won one of these, but I can't remember which. It was this one. I, so what the hell happened? Because I thought the winner gets a title shot at Starcade. Uh, he ended up getting it at Super Brawl. I remember because I was there. I don't remember why. Uh, I just thought, delayed. I thought, no, wait, I'm sorry. Going back. Never mind. They flat out said the winner would get their shot at Super Bowl. That's what happened. I thought I thought Super Bowl was Sting versus Hogan. Was that that one? He got a shot at a Super Bowl because I was there. It might not have been that one. Yeah. It was the night, the one after. They were all in San Francisco. I remember so that I, was like the kind of ran together, but yeah. Because that was like the rematch from Starcade, wasn't it? After they stripped Sting, it was at Super Brawl. Yes, that's right. And then he had lined the next one. Yeah, I think Sid and Jared or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. So, so basically, we don't know what the hell happened to Scott Holt's title shot. If somebody, he, can yeah, he definitely got it. Well, just yeah. Well, well, either way, uh, with the new Thunder Show debuting in January. Uh, cue the dramatic music. WCW plans to cancel the Saturday morning main event show along with the Sunday WCW Pro show. Eh, nothing ever happened on those anyway. 
So, do you have anything to say about that one? No, I do. I do remember watching them. Though I watched that and Live Wire and Mania, all the Saturday morning shows. Yeah, uh, I didn't even know those existed as a kid because my dad just watched uh, WWF, so I watched WWF. On Nitro, referee Randy Anderson got hit in the head by a golf ball thrown by a fan, and he was hurting pretty badly for the rest of the night. Fans, wow, I've never heard that story. Yeah, throwing stuff, okay. I can't remember. I think this was around the same time where Shawn Michaels caused a damn near riot in uh, uh, Arkansas because they were throwing crap and they were throwing like batteries and stuff. And he was like, all right, that's it. You guys lost your main event. And he I feel like it was like a week or two off. before this. Yeah, that was there was a damn near riot here. There was another one in Tennessee where it was something similar. And just, uh and, and it was a it was an ongoing thing during this time where fans, especially in WCW, jumped in the ring. This yeah, was a very I noticed like that happened time. at multiple events. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, well, the one we just reviewed, nineteen ninety six, uh, or Star ninety six, some idiot jumps in the ring and Hogan has to stomp the crap out of him. <laughs> and then there was I, I still don't you and I still don't know about that cage match where the guy. Painted up like Sting gets in. Yeah, Bischoff said that was a fan, but I don't. Yeah, uh, maybe he's keeping kayfabe alive, brother. Ah, but anyway, there was also another Rick one Flair. in the cage, uh, the Age in the Cage, 1997. Uh, Halloween Havoc. How do fans keep jumping in that damn cage? I don't know, but I'm going to say know. that it's very easy because it doesn't take a, a skilled climber to get in their cage because they were like more gaps than even the blue bar cage from back in the day. If you remember. Yeah. Uh, it so was like, it's really, too. it's like easier than a step ladder, really. So. Yeah. But that, like, dang, their security was slow as hell. You no, know, Doug Dillinger was packing the pounds, but you no. Know. Right. All right. Uh, Ric Flair signed a new three year deal with WCW this week. So he'll be with them until he's 52. And then, uh, yeah, later, well, he was with <laughs> later in the year, some crap's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's just say some stuff went down, all right? Leave it at that. <sighs> Speaking of which, Hulk Hogan's contract is up at the end of the year, and with the made for TV movie success, the huge WCW success, and the huge buy rate for Halloween Havoc, Hogan is in a, in a position to demand huge money wherever he wants to go. And and even Dave Meltzer, who is a like probably the biggest critic of Hulk Hogan of all time, he said Hogan is worth every single penny they were giving him. So, oh, the check must have cleared for that week for him then. <laughs> well, he's. I mean, he did make sure to put the caveat on there. He was like, "Well, whatever you think of Hogan, whether you like him or not, you know, I've got to admit." It's like, well, yeah. I mean, he's not Terry, wrong. Terry Taylor's like, it, say this; it makes us look better. <laughs> Makes it look like I'm not feeding you stuff. All right. The latest on Rick Rude with WCW is that he still has lawsuits pending against WCW and against Sting personally over the back injury that ended his career a few years ago. Rude had to settle the lawsuits first before going back to WCW. Word is that there's still a lot of personal heat between Sting and Rude since Rude blamed Sting for the injury and Sting wasn't exactly thrilled about being sued. Has anyone ever seen that? I don't. Ha- I don't I, understand how that was Sting's I fault. 
I mean, he overshot him, kind of, yeah, dude, but at the same happens, time, dude. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I mean if, if you hit him with a, with a move, if you hit him with a move and it went wrong or something, okay, that's one thing. Yeah. But, I mean, well, did Ricky like Steve if you, to, uh, was it Austin that hurt his back? I mean, uh, I think so. I can't remember. He fell off the yeah. ape, he fell off the second rope onto his ass and herniated his disc or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that's no one's fault, dude. Well, that's my thing. Like, it's not like Sting was being negligent. Like, if you can prove negligence, fine. Like, not to speak ill of the dead, but what Owen Hart did to Stone Cold, I would argue, was negligence. Because he flat out told him, well, I'm going to do this. And Austin yeah. was like, uh, no. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, he's, and he was like, don't. <laughs> and he did it anyway. Did you so, watch that um, that Undertaker special with Austin? The, the uh, podcast? Bits to pieces. I haven't seen well, the whole thing yet. He There's a part where he talks about the pyro guy that burned him at Elimination Chamber. And yeah. he told the pyro guy flat out, look, it's too close. Don't do it. He told him that two weeks ago. And then he does it and burns him. That's negligence. <laughs> I mean. Uh, well, that would explain why. I mean, I don't know if he said this, but f- from stories I had heard from, you know, various news sites, which, you know, you know, you never know what you can believe. They said Undertaker went to the back and they had to, like, hold him back from beating that guy's ass. And he said, if I ever see him around here again, I'm beating his ass. So they fired the guy on the spot. Apparently what he said was on the way to the ring or in the pod, he told the refs that he guy better be gone. And he was long gone when the match was over. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. And that was I mean, straight from the mouth. So I believe it. So, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, he has no reason to, you know, lie about that stuff. Plus he's the effing undertaker. Why would Vince not, you know, respect yeah. him? But I mean, opinion. that's negligence. I don't think what happened in rude is anywhere near negligence. I just think it was an accident. It sucks. Yeah, it happens. I mean, you know, the old cliche, if it's not ballet, it, it, you know, it rings true, man. Well, also, I don't think Steve's ever hurt ballet. anybody else, so there's no history there. So, yeah, I don't know that for a fact. I mean, no. I've never heard it, so I'm saying so. Right. Well, speaking of it not being ballet, at an ECW show, the fans chanted, you sold out at New Jack due to an internet rumor that he was going to WCW. New Jack claims that WCW did make him an offer and he turned it down. WCW denies that they ever made an offer to him. Either way, he's not going to WCW. Who the hell would offer him a nickel? Right. Yeah. And and even they pointed out in the newsletters, they're like, if WCW did offer him a contract, which is highly unlikely... Like, that would be the dumbest move ever. Have they seen anything New Jack has ever done or looked at his criminal record? I might argue he's the worst wrestler of all time. uh, I mean, uh, at least he can hit a couple moves. Right. Well, at least he can hit a couple of moves. I would put... uh, Yeah, as long as he has a freaking ball bat or something in his hand. I would put him as number two behind behind Necro Butcher. He's far worse. (sighs) Man, I don't know, man. That's That's... That's what's like the, arguing. What's that thing you say? Uh, this is like arguing over who has the cleanest pigsty. <laughs> yeah, who who has uh, who has the 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 better smelling turd here? Like, either way, it stinks and it's hard to flush. Speaking, uh, speaking of ECW, their third pay per view, November to Remember, your favorite, <laughs> happened on November thirtieth. What the hell? Rick Rude was. Rick Rude was scheduled to be at the show, but with him jumping to WCW, he wasn't able to make it. ECW attempted to book Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash to play the National Anthem, 
because apparently most of the Guns N' Roses guys are legit ECW fans. Lost some respect for them there. But that deal fell through. Uh, the deals for appearances by porn star Jenna Jameson and rap group The Insane Clown Posse also fell through. Man, this yeah, they got a rose gallery show. of awesomeness there, dude. They could add Slash, Jenna Jameson, ICP, Mike, Rick Rude. What happened? Either way, the show set all-time ECW records, drawing a sellout crowd of over 4,600, which is more than double what they've drawn before. It also set a gate record... And they sold tons of merchandise. Uncle Dave, <laughs> you want to get your comments out now? I'm just trying to figure out why this company failed. I mean, you know, WWE's doing the stuff with Tyson and WCW has Rodman, but man, they got Jenna Jameson. Oh, my God. How do they not compete? Porn, bro. <laughs> See, that's what that's what throws me for a loop. They get Tyson. I think that Russo would try to get her, but. I... Well, who's to say he didn't? And yeah, Vince I guess McMahon not, did not step. wrong, but <laughs> he probably tried. And Vince was like, Vince McMahon was like, "Whoa, dude, uh, calm down a bit. All right, we only get softcore porn stars in here. All right, not the hardcore ones. It's less Christian that way." Yeah, man. <laughs> well, Lord, to further on with this, Uncle Dave said it was a decent show, but not great, with a ton of injuries. Tommy Rogers hurt his neck. Tommy Dreamer injured his good foot. The other one was already injured. And he had to be hospitalized after the show. The Sandman injured his shoulder, his arm, and his ribs in the demolition derby of a match he had with Sabu. And Shane Douglas injured his elbow, which already needed surgery, but he made it worse. Why have Stevie we not Richards, reviewed this show? I think we're going to have to at some point. <laughs> uh, uh, Stevie Richards also made a, a surprise return to the company, so there's something. Also, they got Dance to Stevie you, back, dude. What the hell? That's a huge get. Right. Did, and, did well, he, and how do you, he probably did. You know, Big Stevie, cool. And But how do you make up for, for losing Rick Rude, Slash, Jenna Jameson, and the ICP? Well, they had appearances from WWF wrestlers Al Snow, Brockus, and Furnace and LaFond. There you go. Al I Snow think says LaFond that. And Al Snow were all there before, at least. But Brockus, really? Yep. Well, my knowledge of the Missing Man Pet Project, so you throw him in that crap? I mean, not that he was great, don't get me wrong, but that's... Rumor is, from from what I heard, they he kind of tried to use ECW as like a, a like a proving ground or like a developmental or whatever because Brockus sucked so much ass he just wanted to get him some ring time, but not on Raw. <laughs> so... so they want to teach him to wrestle, so they send him an ECW. Uh, they at least wanted to teach him the basics, I guess. I don't know. Well, anybody that could teach him that was already gone. Jericho, Maliko, Vero. Yeah. I like how... Benoit, how, even Perry Sandman. Oh, Perry Sandman was gone. <laughs> well, I like how Dr. Tom Pritchard can't get a you know anything presentable out of this guy, so they send him to Paul Heyman. Like, what? They, Paul Heyman would be the, the guy last... you send him to to develop his personality and stuff, not his wrestling? I just... Yeah, right. Uncle Dave said that the Sandman Sabu match made Piper and Hogan in a cage look like Flair Steamboat. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, I, mean, I haven't uh, seen that that's, match. That's I, can, I can assume. <laughs> yeah, I've seen their other stuff. I don't know if this was the one I've seen where Sandman wore sweatpants that were like look like the American flag. 
but that match was god awful. So I don't know if this was it or just another one of those horrible and same in, man Sabu matches. Most redundant thing you can say. You said that that same man match was awful. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, he's rounding out that top five of worst ever, man. We're gonna have ourselves a regular old uh, David Letterman list here after a while. <laughs> But all right, uh, a couple more stories, WWF related here. Uh, Raw this week was built around Bret Hart, who obviously wasn't there and says he'll never return. But after two weeks of higher than normal ratings coming out of Survivor Series, WWF is determined to milk this Bret Hart story for all it's worth. I give so it nine years. Out- yeah. Uh, so in media outlets around the country, they advertise the main event of Raw as Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Of course, the final result was a midget dressed as Bret Hart or dressed in Bret Hart gear, which Sean and Triple H beat up, slapped a WCW sign on him, and kicked him out of the ring. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember I Bret Hart. Remember, watching, I don't even remember my reaction uh, to that, but I do know I like DX. I probably laughed. I'm not gonna lie, but I I didn't watch it, but I remember watching. Uh, like they they showed Bret Hart's reaction to it on Wrestling with Shadows and. He was, like, pretty darn upset. I mean, go figure, but... Uh, uh, this was, uh... This was, like, a, a, a DX thing at the time, because I can't remember who it was. Oh, they, uh... After Rick Rude left, they brought out Harvey Whippleman to replace him for a week, and then they, like, slapped him around or whatever, and they were like, yeah, he was hard to replace or something like that. You know, some sarcastic line to the camera. Like, I man, you... That's brilliant. I'm sorry. <laughs> Harvey Whipple. <laughs> when, and I guess they purposely dressed Whipple, him up. By the way. Oh, good Lord. I guess they purposely dressed him up to make him look like what Rick Rude was dressed like when he was with DX. Just substitute so, the doctor bag for a briefcase, right? What the hell? Yeah. When, when was he ever a doctor? When he managed uh, Kamala, I believe. Why was he a doctor managing Kamala? I don't know, but I remember vividly uh, 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 the Fink would announce him as he said, ladies and gentlemen, he had a, he introduced Harvey Whippleman, who would then introduce Kamala. And he would say it sarcastically, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Harvey Whippleman. And Whippleman would grab the mic and talk crap to him and call him a little man, which I think was an irony thing. Uh, yeah. Of course. Good <laughs> well, This is good stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, last story. Last story we got here is, is you know, it, this is all kind of like, you know, fallout from Survivor Series 97, which, uh, you know, you all kind of know what went down. But anyway, Owen Hart and Davy Boy Smith are locked into their WWF contracts, and both of them are said to be so one sided that even if they both quit the company now, they wouldn't be able to wrestle anywhere else for the next four years. I mean, if they really wanted out that bad, they could have uh, well, fought that in court. Bulldog got out and went to WCW like a month or two later. So, right. And I think in Dark Side of the Ring, didn't they explain that like they kind of gave Owen a, a pay raise and like I think so, you know, yeah, because he returns obviously not to get ahead at this event we're about to review. So right, yeah. So I think they kind of placated him a little bit, and then then they end up slapping him with a damn blue blazer gimmick supposedly they did that because he didn't want to have a storyline where he was messing around with Deborah on camera. So I don't know. So he died because he didn't want to do something disgusting. 
you can't make that up for it. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, do you want to use that Roddy Piper? <laughs> you want to use that Roddy Piper line where he looked at Vince Russo and was like, "So you're the guy who killed my cousin." Yeah. Right. <sighs> that was rough. But anyway, well, we're gonna take our next break. Uh, we're gonna get right into WWF in your house right after this here break. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, WWF In Your House 19, D-Generation X, also known as D-Generation X In Your House, it took place on December 7th, 1997, from the Springfield Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. They crammed in 6,358 people. I don't know if that was a sellout or not. I I mean, I've never heard of the Springfield Civic Center before. So, I'm going to say it was, because it looked full. Yeah, well, WWE has always been really good at hiding that, even on SmackDowns, where it's like, you know two-thirds capacity or something they make it look full but uh yeah the pay-per-view buy rate for this was 0.4 so i was exactly (laughs) oh you were ordering the pay-per-views at this time well we ordered this one ah okay well and were the in your houses still cheaper at this point i couldn't even tell you i didn't pay the bills back then so i'm gonna assume they were but was the whole hook of the in your house pay-per-views back then was they were shorter and they were cheaper yeah so if you if you ordered a wrestlemania like the big uh five at this time they had uh in order they had rumble mania uh king of the ring summer slam and survivor series and outside of that they would have the in your house pay-per-views to fill in the gaps and those were always instead of three hours they were like two 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 and a half hours and they would keep them at like a fraction of the price. But they started becoming, I want to say they started becoming longer at this point. I think and this they were, was three hours, right? I, I, it was it was close. And, and and also, this is when they started really changing up. Like, I, I kind of got lost on why they kept calling it in your house. Because it lost, like, all of the meaning of it, you know? Well, there's only a couple like, left. I think uh, I want to say Rock Bottom was the last one. Uh, well, St. Valentine's Day Massacre was an In Your House show. Uh, um, I can't remember. There there was another one off the top of my head. I can't think. Oh, I think Backlash In Your House, I think, was the last one officially. That was the very first Backlash, and it was an In Your House show. Go back. Uh, if anybody can go back and uh, fact check me on that one, but I'm pretty sure... But either way, we open up the show with a video of D-Generation X running roughshod on the WWF in an almost porno-like voiceover on top of it. And I that. love this opening, by the way. I'll say. It was uh, something. 
Tons of sexual references, of course. Uncle Dave well, compared this attitude, show. Huh? Uh, Uncle Dave compared this show to NWO sold out and said it absolutely sucked. I completely disagree on that, but <laughs> and I do not respect I, his opinion. So. I had to, I had to throw, I had to throw that in there just to just to hear <laughs> from you. Well, hey, they open up with the little guys on this show too because we get two sexy Brian Christopher versus Takamishinoku in the finals of the WWF light heavyweight title tournament. This went about 12 minutes long. And I said, I have a Jax figure of Brian Christopher in that outfit. Of course you do. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? But they're uh, they're using the red-strapped light heavyweight title. They hadn't uh, switched to black yet. I don't remember when they did. Probably right after. <laughs> yeah, because I remember... They're, like it's very easy to find pictures of. Like apparently they used the red strap for a little while, but I don't know. Maybe they wanted way, to decipher it from Ultimo Dragon having it. Yeah, right. Brian dives outside of the ring at one point and he hits his mouth on the guardrail. I saw him grab his mouth right away and I thought he was just selling, but he starts bleeding out of his mouth pretty bad. So I'm pretty sure that was legit. Uh, Jerry Lawler denies that Brian Christopher is his son throughout this entire match. <laughs> My first note on that is all the freaking son jokes from JR were hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious for sure. But if anybody grew up during the Attitude Era listening to the commentary during Brian Christopher matches, that was literally all the commentary throughout every Brian Christopher match was, oh, he's your son. He's not my son. The best one ever is like, he's a good athlete, but some people say he got a bad break at birth, but I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I, oh man! I like so I like all the stuff where because uh, uh, Lawler was clearly pulling for him or whatever, and, he, and uh, Jerry would be like, "Oh, concerned father." He's like, "You're like one of those little league dads or whatever." <laughs> also, oh, uh, one of my notes, by the way, is when Brian Christopher came out. I didn't realize he he was using uh, Draws's theme song. I guess he just oh, cycled really? that. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's another recycled theme on this show we'll get to, but uh, yes, is. Uh, either way, uh, Lawler gets off commentary at one point to wipe the blood off of Christopher's mouth, <laughs> and then he goes back to commentary. <sighs> Good grief. Christopher misses the Tennessee jam on Taka. It ends up winning. Uh, who ends up winning with the Mishinoku driver? Because in, in whether it's WCW or WWF, the Japanese must go over, pal. At least during this time. That would eventually oh, change here in a year. Say what? Nobody cares about Japanese wrestlers, bro. Yeah, well, they don't look like me, bro, and they don't talk like me, bro. They're weird. Nobody cares. That, that's seriously a Vince Russoism, people. So we're not seeing that as ourselves. Hence the uh, over-the-top New York accent. And anyway, and uh, the Uncle Dave. Rose, by the way. <laughs> right, Uncle Dave gave this three stars. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I'm right there with Uncle Dave, actually. I said three. I, I love this match. That was fantastic. I thought it was really good, too. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it didn't blow me away. Nothing on this card really did. I just, uh, look, uh, I'm, I'm going to put the um, disclaimer on this. I wasn't, like, super hot for this show. I didn't hate it whatsoever, but I wasn't super hot for it. So I'm just going to put that out right there. Greg loved it. I was. It took me so, so far back, and I just I loved it. And I understand that too. There's something to be said for uh, you know the, all the nostalgia feels. So, but uh, the next match that uh, I mean, this one took me back, but not necessarily in a good way. 
it was a six-man tag between Los Bariquas and the Disciples of Apocalypse, the DOA. <laughs> uh, yeah. Los Bariquas were <laughs> represented by Jose Estrada Jr., Jesus Castillo Jr., and Miguel Perez Jr. The Disciples of Apocalypse were um, were represented by Chains, Eight Ball, and Skull. And I'm pretty so, sure Brian Adams is gone because of the Bret Hart. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah, he quit and he went to WCW and he's gone forever, bro. No, he'd be he back. Soon... Would he be back? He would be back with Chronic for like two months, if that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm thinking of, you know, as Crush. Yeah, yeah no. Crush himself was gone. Brian Adams, like you said, would be back during the invasion angle as, you know, with Chronic, which would, you know. If you're going to call a tag team Chronic, why them? They weren't known as potheads. Because RVD and Matt Riddle weren't around yet, you idiot. Jeez. Yeah. RVD was, just not in WCW. But yeah, yeah this, um, this Saving match. Saving grace of WCW. Anyway, let's get off topic, sorry. Chains, Chains, for people that don't know, is Primetime Brian Lee, the fake Undertaker, whatever. And Eight Ball and Skull are the uh, the Harris Twins, or, or the, Blue, the Blue Brothers. Disciples of, uh, what was it in, in TNA? Destruction. Oh, uh, yeah. Good grief. And also, <sighs> I believe the guys who built the ring in, in TNA, right? And all that crap? Probably. I'm not even trying to be funny, by the way. That was a legit story. <laughs> also known as the Aryan Brotherhood. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But maybe Are not. You? I might. Yeah, I might not be. Uh, something tells me this this uh, feud was a little on the nose. <laughs> but, uh, well, a little bit uh, more when they fought the Nation of Domination, but uh, I digress. Well, this one was uh, went for about eight minutes. They said Crush is injured and not there tonight, but like you said, I think he quit after the Bret Hart incident because he was very close with the Hart family. Um, Savio Vega gets sent to the back by referee Tim White. That's not wise. It's uh, never wise to send Savio Vega to the back. You know? Right. Uh, That's the money of the team, top. which is, you know, a couple of dimes. Oh, yeah, right. The, the pesos of the team. Uh, and all pesos anyway. in Puerto Rico. What are you talking about, you idiot? Whatever. I don't know what kind of currency they use. I believe they probably use the American dollar. Yeah, probably at this point. Anyway, Miguel comes off the top rope and hurts his knee, so Savio <laughs> Vega tries to run out and replace him. However, the referee won't allow it. He's distracted by all this. Behind the referee's back, Miguel jumps up just fine, and he attacks Chains, so that Jose can pin him for the win. Uncle Dave gave this one-fourth of a star. I gave it two stars for below average. What say you? I gave it one star, and my only note for this was, good lord, this match sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I never I, gave a crap about those. I never gave a crap about any of the teams in this three-way war they had. And, you know, like, the freak was the Disciples and the Nation of Domination. But I mean, it was a it was a war spun off from Savio and Crush leaving Farouk or Farouk firing him, I should say. I thought the whole well, thing I was liked, stupid. There for a while, I liked the DOA. I thought they had a like a cool hook, but I don't know. And then the uh, yeah, I mean, the Nation of Domination was fine for a while, but well, they they wanted to be pretty hot, actually. I mean, right, they spun off yeah. quite a few Hall of Famers. Not going to say the same about any of the other ones, but right. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, no, Doc I mean, I, nothing came out of DOA, nothing came out of Bariquas, and all Nation did was produce The Rock, so, you know. 
Right. Uh, they got a lot of heat, so there's that. But Doc Hendricks is in Butterbean's locker room with the prize fighter and his trainers. Butterbean apparently just fought the night before on the undercard of the Oscar De La Hoya fight. I like how that you know they're like, oh, you're here as the uh, the undercard fighter for the big guys, right? <laughs> uh, he wasn't he even says, like he was more than heavyweight. He was more like a freak show attraction. Oh, he he definitely was. But uh, he says that he's ready to mess Marrow up for the way he treats Sable. We now switch to Michael Cole, who's standing by with Sable, but he throws it instantly to footage of Mark Marrow making threats to Butterbean and taunting him repeatedly on Raw's War which led to this fight. Sable says that even though she held up the title belt for Butterbean's fight the night before, and I guess she was the ring girl for the Oscar De La Hoya fight, uh, she's in Mark Merrill's corner tonight. Merrill then interrupts her and tells her to quit trying to steal his spotlight because he's the real star here. <laughs> sure. Ah, anyway, well, up next we get Marvelous Mark Merrill with Sable in his corner taking on Butterbean in a tough man contest. Before we start, I'm just going to say, in a real fight, I might even take Meryl. Yeah, actually, uh, the the stuff about this, first of all, this went for just uh, under ten and a half minutes. I guess the thing was they wanted to call it a boxing match, but due to like the State Athletic Commission's weird rules and with them fixing it and whatever, they couldn't legally call it a boxing match, so they had to call it a tough man contest. It's kind of weird, but... Uh, I do the, remember in this era, those were a huge thing. Not to get yeah. off topic, but that's what spawned the Brawl for All, because the Tough Man competitions were apparently something to watch. Yeah, right. Well, and the thing was with, uh, they, you know, a couple of people were saying, they're like, uh, you know, Butterbean is a freak show that basically, you know, you know, like he said, he was, a, he was an attraction. He wasn't necessarily a good boxer. He was just big. Uh, but Mark Merrow was a legit weapon former Golden Gloves boxer, so you know, a lot of people were saying it's like, if this was a real fight, he might have knocked the crap out of Butterbean. Yeah, I mean, cardio alone would have been on his side, so he's got that. That's half the right. battle yeah, he was in, do like this. Yeah, he was in fantastic shape. As long as he didn't get caught with like a, a big right hook or something. But at the end of round one, well, he's not Mero cheap done. shot. So. Good grief. At the end of round one, Butterbean, or excuse me, Marrow cheap shots Butterbean, and he gets into a skirmish with him. He starts round two with a flying knee to Butterbean's back, and then choking him with his athletic tape. He even <laughs> thumbs him in the eye at one point. After the round, he does a flying drop kick to Butterbean's back, dropping him. Butterbean knocks Marrow down at the end of round three, but he's saved by the bell. His trainer throws ice water on Marrow to wake him up. Uh, round Round four starts with Butterbean knocking Marrow down, and then Marrow punches his way or punches him right in the balls for a DQ. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this a dud, but I gave it one star. What say you? Okay, well, that sucked. I said one star, but I bumped up two because I had a fun time watching this. It was hilarious. I was like, I did not expect this, this to be anything something. good, but it was just—if it's not gonna be good, at least it got my attention, made me laugh. Uh, it did give me vibes of the Piper and uh, Mr. T finish, too. Because yeah. I believe there is yeah. a stool that gets used. <laughs> yeah, after the fight, Marrow nails Butterbean in the back with his stool, and then Butterbean gets up and chases Marrow to the back. Uh, uh, at I least thought there, it was, were, there was no... I, 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 thought, I, it was I thought it was just fun. I mean, it's, it sucked, but it was fun. I mean, 
at least there was no it was not underlying... be good you have to give it you have to give credit for that it was never going to be good so you have to like look for why she read it like this so yeah but i don't think this drew a dime so it's like why the hell is this on the card like who cares because the dime's already drawn in the main event yeah it's just i i don't know i thought this sucked and i know you're trying to build up marrow as a boxer and whatever but it's like i don't know uh, at least, you know, when you make references to the WrestleMania 2 thing, at least there was no underlying racism going on in this one. So that's always a plus. Yeah. What was not a plus, the artist formerly known as Goldust and oh, Vashon come out God. on the stage. They're wearing pink and gold outfits. <laughs> Goldust is dressed kind of like a woman with a long pink wig and a woman's eye mask and bright pink lipstick. He his his music plays in the background while he reads Green Eggs and Ham, and, and Luna runs around shouting at everyone in the crowd in her uh, her Drano uh, gargling voice. <sighs> Look, my only you know, for this was did Goldust piss somebody off? <laughs> I don't know, man. This was like a, a '90s thing, like the the weird. You know, artist formerly known as, and I'm an artist, and I'm weird, and I do. This was supposed to be like um, interpretive art, whatever. I don't know. It was effing stupid, though. And, and you know, looking back not... on it, I think Dustin said a lot of this was his idea. So, I mean, oh, I'm sure it was. I it mean, was something. <laughs> I just, I, hey, we're talking about it. You know what I mean? I not just because we watched the show, so it's like he's still memorable. You know, and I think Goldust is seriously one of the better characters in the history of pro wrestling. I'm not going to point to yeah. this specific moment as a defining moment for that, but he's I mean, evolved a lot. I'll say that. This I mean, is, is, he, is he the Undertaker? Hell no! But you know, he's in that realm. He's, well, this he's is great. Isn't the last Nothing time this, yeah. Well, and this isn't the last time this week we're going to talk about Luna Vachon either. So I hate. I hate. Speaking, I mean, I know we're not speaking of the dead, but like, it's just hard to laugh at this stuff. And, uh. Yeah. Well, the end of this, by the way, is Luna shoves Goldust down and says, "Come on, you scum!" And she leads Goldust away by a leash. Yeah. <sighs> Good. Hey, grief. man, S and M sells. I, I guess. I just had a but, thought, by the way. Uh, not, to, not to jump way ahead, but um, why wasn't he never in the oddities? Because he was talented. Are you saying that Kurgan wasn't I'm, talented? That's exactly what I'm saying. Just going out on a limb here and saying that's the reason. Hey, John Tenta, uh, I'm not trolling, was pretty damn good for his size, but it's not enough yeah, to oh, save that group. Okay, but, yeah. he was the only one with a, he was the only one in that group with a monicum of talent. Yeah. So, but quite the switch here. We go to Michael Cole backstage with a Legion of Doom two weeks ago. Road Dog used a chair to help the New Age Outlaws defeat the LOD for the WWF Tag Team title. Animal says that they've got their spikes back, and now they're going to destroy the Outlaws. Hawk then cuts an entire promo comparing the Outlaws to his boogers. And he finishes by saying, oh, what a booger. It's like, what the frick, man? You know, there's when people say, you know, when a wrestler has it, I always yeah, look at the LOD yeah. as being the perfect example of that. They said the stupidest yeah. stuff. They were never the best wrestling tag team, but holy crap, man, they were just the most awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, but with this promo, dude, just a little bit of me died inside. <laughs> I'm like, 
Uh, uh, they're they're pretty much on their way out too. So right, we're gonna get the Yellow Dawn thousand soon, and yeah, and that's nah. gonna be all she wrote. So they're about six, Jack six, seven months away. Of course, I have the Mattel ones of the uh, the actual LED, which are one of my I nest eggs. Um, I, mine are mint too, in package, really. so they're one of my two of my nest eggs. But um, yeah, they're about six months away from being gone. I hate saying that, but gone well, forever, bro. But all right, not uh, necessarily. They'd the... be back for that quick two week view with the Stooges, and then they'd be gone. <laughs> nice. But we go on to the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog and Billy Gunn teaming up to take on the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. For the WWF Tag Team titles, the Outlaws are the champions. This goes for about ten and a half minutes. Hawk and Animal can't wait to jump the Outlaws in the aisle way, uh, running, uh, running them to the ring and throwing them in. Henry Godwin comes in and he clacks Animal with a slot bucket. Hawk then chases Godwin off and uses the bucket to beat up the Outlaws for the disqualification. Ugh. Uncle Dave gave this a dud. I gave it one and a half stars. What say you? Uh, I gave it a star. It sucked. Yep. So why do you like this event again? <laughs> There's a couple of moments on it I like. I never said I like the whole event. Uh, well, speaking of a couple moments, we're, uh, we got a hype video up next playing for... Like, the whole video is hyping up Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Clutch, showing clips of him wrestling in the 1970s. Uh, yeah, even that shown, relevant. <laughs> yeah, clips are even shown of bombs being dropped on Japan. So, <laughs> well, hold on now. What's the date on this? I, I, look, this I just feel uh, like I, I'm pretty sure this was Pearl Harbor Day. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. this was. And it was. <laughs> it's like I and I, I get it, but it's just like God dang, dude, you had a Japanese guy win a title in your first match. You're like, by the I, I way, just, I just think that uh, all those stories about Vince McMahon being a huge patriot come through here. Oh, boy. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. And because they even brought up a day that will live in infamy and all that stuff. So, I mean, I get it. I know what it was in reference to, but it's like, dang, bro. Uh, let, let's show a video of mass genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael Cole is in the backstage with Triple H in China. Triple H pulls stuff out of an old military backpack, like a comb that only gets the sides <laughs> of your head. Get it? Because he falls. That was fantastic. <laughs> he pulls out Metamucil, prunes, and depends. So he makes one of his hair and makes some poop jokes. Uh, tri Triple H then says, later Let tonight. Up your alley. Shut up. Uh, it's like, dang, dude. But he says later tonight he'll stop by Serge's house and let Slaughter's wife take a, sm a smoke of the peace pipe. And he points at his junk. I so, didn't get that because I thought that would be a Native American joke, which, no, I'm not saying it would be for, but I'm just saying, yeah, what, where did yeah, that fit? I was a little confused. Can you educate yeah, me on that? No. <sighs> yeah, I, I was confused by that, too. I was like, hey, what? You couldn't come up with a better reference, like, uh, like the, the old rifle or something? I don't know. Anything. Ah, yeah, uh, my yeah, favorite so, one ever. Sad, I don't know if we'll ever cover it. It's when he told him to keep off his lawn, but he can stop by and whack the weeds. That was his best one ever on Sarge. <laughs> what the crap? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, this, uh, so, so basically he makes a bunch of, er, he, he makes a hair joke, a bunch of poop jokes, and a, a joke about his Johnson. 
Lack of hair hey, jokes, hey. by the way. Yeah. Yeah, right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we now go to Jim Cornette backstage with Sergeant Slaughter, who says that he's not coming out of retirement or coming to wrestle. He's coming to beat up Triple H for disrespecting his family. So now we get Triple H with China taking on Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. Oddly enough, this is not the last boot camp match we will cover this week. We didn't plan <laughs> this, by the way. Right. I didn't think yeah. about that. We did not plan this, by the way. It's just we get Luna Vachon and boot camp matches in two shows this week. It just happened. But it goes on for a little over 17 and a half minutes. I said, it's funny to hear Sergeant Slaughter come out to what would be Kurt Angle's famous theme song. Uh, Triple H using it too, like right before this. I know. Triple H tries to take the ring bell at one point, but the timekeeper wouldn't let go of it, so Triple H knocks him out. When Sarge finally locks in the Cobra Clutch, China rakes his eyes and shoves the referee down. Uh, China brings a chair into the ring, but Slaughter powders her in the eyes. However, Triple H hits Slaughter with a boot, uh, or with his boot, rather. He goes for it again, but Slaughter ducks, locks in the Cobra Clutch. Right before Triple H's hand was about to drop for the third time, China kicks Slaughter in the bowels. To break the hold, Triple H finally hits the pedigree on the chair for the win. Uncle Dave gave this negative two stars, which blew my mind. I gave it two stars because I thought it was fun. We'll say you. I loved this match. I gave it two, but I loved it. Was it a great match? Hell no. Was it fun? Yeah. I thought it was a, a fun little garbage match. I, you know, why not? I don't know. It, uh, judging by, like... Slaughter past the year 1980. Uncle Dave just crapped all over him. I don't get it. I thought he still had some stuff to offer. Yeah, I, I but, you know, I just, I thought his whole run as the commissioner was fun. Yeah, I did too. I have a toy of a uh, Jack's figure of him as a commissioner. I think I have the 80s Slaughter on my wall. <laughs> nice. Uh, Michael Cole is backstage interviewing Jeff Jarrett. Michael Cole asks if Jarrett's ner uh, nervous about uh, facing The Undertaker, but Jarrett denies being frightened and says that he's going to prove that he's the world's greatest wrestler here tonight. He deny, also deny, calls... deny. <laughs> the hell. He also calls Michael Cole Mark. I don't know if you caught that. No, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for many reasons, yes. Yeah, because... Uh, Michael Cole asks him these questions, and he's like, Mark, let me tell you. And I'm like, was that on purpose? <laughs> Freudian slip. Right. This match was Jeff Jarrett versus The Undertaker. It went just shy of seven minutes. I completely forgot about this theme for Jeff Jarrett. It was boring and horrible, <laughs> and Jeff Jarrett talked during it, which seemed like to be this, a 90s staple. There's, there's all the wrestlers, and then there's me. <laughs> yeah. I was I was like, all right. I will say this outfit was a lot better than that crap he wore in the in the uh, earlier nineties. He's about <sighs> to bring that back. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> no. He's about Good. to bring it back. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Right before he starts doing the cutting hair crap. Yeah. <sighs> when he gets, I said, during, as his promoter. Right. I said during this bland ass match, Kane comes out to interrupt, and he chokeslams Jeff Jarrett. Getting Undertaker disqualified. Uncle Dave gave it a dud. I gave it a star and a half. What say you? I gave it a star. Yeah, this uh, 
I mean, it was never meant to be a good match, so you gotta give it that, but god dang. Uh, I said, after the match, Undertaker and Kane glare at each other before Kane slaps the Undertaker. Undertaker refuses to hit Kane back because they're doing the whole I'm not gonna fight my brother thing. So Kane sets off his pyro and he just leaves with Paul Bearer. However, Jeff Jarrett chop blocks the Undertaker, stomps away at him, and he goes for the figure four, but the Undertaker goozles him and chokeslams him again. Jarrett gets so much air on this one, by the way, that the Undertaker nearly drops his ass. <laughs> he barely got up for the Kane one, but he effing skies for the Undertaker. Did you notice that? Well, that's respect. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but I said, but Jarrett must pose. So after Undertaker leaves, Jarrett struts for a while while his horrible-ass music plays. And his Tennessee, his little Tennessee heart, he thinks he's great. What? Yeah, he smashed a thousand guitars, he never drew a dime. There it is. He's never drawn a dime. Michael Cole interviews Mark Henry in the crowd, who says that he's returning to in-ring action in a week or so. He then predicts that Stone Cold will beat The Rock tonight. Uh, yeah. We now see... He will return, huh? and then he will turn on Ken Shamrock. <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, they're setting us up for the big heel turn. We now see a video highlight of uh, the, quote, attitude changes for Steve Austin uh, to babyface Stone Cold and from Rocky Maivia to The Rock in the Nation of Domination. And even though Stone Cold is the Intercontinental Champion, The Rock stole the title belt. Uh, Doc Hendricks is now backstage with the Nation of Domination. The Rock lets everyone know that he's not Rocky anymore. He's The Rock, and he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, who... who I, I don't believe him because Honky Tonk Man told me that he was. And I have it on so, good authority. It's actually The Miz, but, you know, I digress. I mean, Chris Jericho said it was him, him and he's the GOAT. So. <laughs> uh, we now get Stone Cold Steve Austin defending the Intercontinental title against The Rock with a Nation of Domination in his corner. This goes for about five and a half minutes. Yes, a Rock and Austin match that goes for five and a half minutes. Buckle up, people. Stone Cold drives his Let's custom pickup truck. be easy with that word match. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I used to love this custom pickup truck of his, by the way. It had his logo painted on the on the hood. Before the bell sounds, the nation jumps off. And back bodied D'Lo onto the windshield of his truck, and he hits him with a stunner on the truck. Uh, during the match, The Rock distracts the ref so that the nation can beat Austin down outside, but Austin ducks a chair shot from Kama, who hits Farouk. This allows Austin to throw Kama into the side of the truck, taking him out. When the nation distracts Austin in mid-stunner to The Rock, Austin ends up stunning the referee, because <laughs> The Rock misses a with a brass knuckle shot. He gets a stunner. A second ref runs in, and he counts the pin. Austin wins. My God, like, so many shenanigans here. I think Austin was still kind of injured at this point. He was just making a comeback. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, so... That's I'm actually going to be a huge I, part of my review. <laughs> yeah, so Uncle Dave gave this two and one-fourth stars. I gave it one and a half stars because it was not a match. What say you? Okay, so I said this wasn't really a match. It was more of a segment. And because of how memorable it was, Basically. I say you get you you got to give it like four stars as a segment. And if I'm rating as a match, it's one. <laughs> but like, yeah, this is like one of the greatest segments in the history of pro wrestling. I think. 
It's like easily. It was something. Yeah, I mean, it was it was memorable, and it led up to the. I mean, it, it, it the, showed this is like the first time where Austin was like that badass that killed the whole team. Like you right. know, they tried with the hearts, but they always got them. You know, it's like the numbers always got them. But like, yeah, I just I love this segment. Everything about it was fantastic. Like that's why I keep calling it a segment because it wasn't really a match. Didn't this lead to Austin dumping the rocks Intercontinental title over the bridge? Yeah, the weekend. I think it might have been. I think yeah, because he won the Intercontinental title here. Yeah, so, forfeits it the next night, and then the week after that is when he dumps it over the bridge. Uh, Austin was actually saying that he has that Intercontinental title on his mantle. He said that's only like one of two title belts he actually kept as like memorabilia. He said that one and the Winged Eagle title that he won. That was, I guess, he replaced it because it was breaking. <laughs> So, so they gave him a belt. Uh, they yeah, he said he had, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, he said he wanted this Intercontinental title because it was uh, like real meaningful to him or something like that. But it's crazy. But yeah, we now get a in the span of a couple of years. That man held three different physical pieces of hardware for the world, t- or four actually, if you count his actual one. It's just yeah, yeah. that's funny, right? Like, uh, we're talking like a couple of years um, too. You know, we're not on like a span of like a decade. <laughs> Right. Well, Hulk Hogan held, like, what, three or four versions of the heavyweight title? I mean, I realize that was over, like, a four-year span, but... He held three of them. Oh, okay. Well, I know he won that gigantic one from the Sheik. Yeah, and then he had the Uh, one he he won WrestleMania 3, and then the Winged Eagle title, which I shudder calling it a Winged Eagle, because there's no such thing as a non-Winged Eagle, but anyways. Uh, Yeah, right. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. We now get a hype video for Ken Shamrock destroying people and snapping. That was his gimmick back then was he would go into the zone and he would snap. They beat people up. Uh, Shawn Michaels mocks Ken Shamrock by sitting in a wheelchair and having Shawn, uh, Triple H spin his foot around, saying that he's been increasing his pain threshold. The joke is, I get <laughs> this the, is so stupid. I, I'm I say, <laughs> the joke is that the boot is obviously like half off of Shawn's foot, so it can spin around, you know, whatever. Uh, another night when DX is beating up a handcuffed Jim Neidhart for reasons. Sergeant Slaughter and Ken Shamrock come down to beat up Shawn Michaels and Triple H while Neidhart holds China back. Uh, Jim Cornette is now interviewing Ken Shamrock in his locker room. 
Shamrock says that he's a pay-per-view fighter, and tonight, when he gets in the zone, he's going to make Shawn Michaels squeal like a baby. DX is in their locker room now, and Jim Ross asks Shawn Michaels how he plans to deal with Shamrock. I don't know why they didn't get Doc Hendricks to do this. Maybe he was busy in catering or something. I don't know. But either way, uh, uh, Michaels repeatedly makes fat jokes about him, Girth Brooks and yeah, Fat Tub of Goo. And, and then he makes a fart joke about Triple H because this is a Shrek movie now. He but, didn't yeah, break so, wind with Slaughter, but oh, he just farted, so he broke wind now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't believe you that you didn't laugh because I know your sense of humor. Like, so. looking I'm back not, on it, I'm not buying it. I didn't think that one was clever. So I was like, the. I also was like, what's the point of repeatedly calling JR a fat tub of goo? It wasn't even. I did laugh at Girth Brooks. I thought that was hilarious. I've the never heard that in my life like, until then. I mean, I forgot I even heard it back then. So Same. I know. <laughs> what do you, the other one wasn't even clever. I was like, ah, you're calling him fat. Ha ha ha. And, but. When he said Girth Brooks, I was like, holy crap, that's a good one. <sighs> but anyway, the uh, main event of the evening was somebody that a pay-per-view is named after actually main events. How about that? Uh, uh, Shawn Michaels with Triple H in China in his corner takes on Ken Shamrock for the WWF World Heavyweight title. This one is about 18 and a half minutes. Uh, uh, I said this is one of my all-time favorite Shawn Michaels attires. Unfortunately, I think he only wore it, like, what? here and that was it mm-hmm. didn't they make him a tell figure of him in this outfit they did walgreens exclusive yeah, i never got my hands on it yeah yeah i want that one really bad but i'll never have it uh shamrock gets dumped outside at one point michaels distracts the referee and triple h beats shamrock down before rolling him back in later shamrock catches michaels with a belly to belly and then triple h and china jump him for the fourth disqualification of the freaking night. Uncle Dave gave this three stars. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I gave it three. I, I really like this match, but I thought the finish ruined it. Yeah, I just four DQs in one night. What is this? Nitro? Like, well, this is clearly gosh. a filler show. That's why I I don't judge on that. No. I this is clearly getting into the Royal Rumble. The uh the big finale Owen Hart had been out for a while. Well, he's back. Owen Hart runs in to the ring, and Shawn Michaels is celebrating on the uh, the apron. Even though he lost, Shawn must pose, because god dang it, the uh, the show's named after him. So, Shawn Owen must runs pose. into the That's ring. A new one. <laughs> First it was Jarrett must pose, now it's Shawn must pose. But Owen shoves, shoves him off the ring apron and through the announce table. thought that was pretty sweet. Owen then jumps on him and he beats the crap out of him. As Triple H tries to grab Owen, uh, he takes off through the crowd. Sean's nose is bleeding from the attack, uh, and I'll get I'll get to something about the blood here in a second. But uh, Shamrock ends up leaving, and we get a second instance tonight of, like I said, of the guy who got beaten up posing in the ring after the match. So that's the end of the show. Owen Hart. Hart, by the way, from uh, Bruce Pritchard claimed that Owen Hart actually bladed his fingertips for this, so so that he was, because uh, if you watch the attack, he's like shoving his fingers into Sean's face. He's trying to wipe his blood on Sean and make it look like Sean's bleeding, but it didn't come across very well, except on the nose. Did you hear that? No. Yeah. So, um, Bruce Pritchard was talking about that because he said, Owen was like, well, I want to 
I want blood, but Sean didn't really want a blade for this, or he didn't want to make Sean blade. One of the, one of the two. So he actually like cut open his fingertips, and uh, he said, and Owen was like really upset after this too, because he was like, "How did the blood look?" And he was like, uh, "Not great." And he was like, "Damn it!" So he cut his fingertips for nothing, basically. But this is a cool segment. I wish it would have played out more, but I mean. To be honest, I mean, Shawn Michaels had, what, two more shows? He was around for, I mean, including this, four more months, I think, right? Mm, yeah, he barely wrestled either, or two, but... Yeah. After the Rumble, so, I, I mean, think he only the, had one match, so... Yeah, uh, he broke his back against The Undertaker the very next month, so he had that one match at WrestleMania after that, and that was the end of Shawn Michaels until 2002, well, I mean, in the ring, anyway. He came back as a commissioner, but... Shark Tank hasn't been kind <sighs> to DX members. I just realized that. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, Michaels know, broke right. his back there. And Triple H tore his quad there. And I was at both shows, by the way, so I don't know how I feel about that. You're a bad luck charm. <laughs> well, we're we're going to take our final break of the podcast. When we come back, we're going to get into the final ratings and what's to come later in the month. We'll be right Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. You'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees, $19.99 tech gear shorts for me, and Toastmaster kitchen gadgets for less than 10 bucks. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks, because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say, what a load of bull hockey. All that saving up and paying off debt, and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk. LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back for our final segment of the program. It's the final ratings. IMDB gave this event 6.2 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave uh, Cagematch.net gave it 4.11 out of 10. I gave it a 6 out of 10 for a D. What say you? I said C plus. Wow. All right. Yeah, I know you. You really like this one. This one was a uh, much like it was a stopgap show as a pay per view. Uh, it was a stopgap podcast for me. <laughs> Was, I just a, I look at it like um, a story builder, you know. Yeah. I mean, if this was a WrestleMania, I probably would have said a D plus or D minus, maybe or an F. Yeah, but it's hard it, to grade like that on a show that you know is just a filler to get to the next one. Yeah, so a lot gotta, of these, a lot of these in your houses. I mean, there were very few of them that were really memorable for being good. We did review one from earlier this year actually in 97 we reviewed uh canadian stampede uh so that's in the archives if you guys go check that out it was from july so i mean 
I there mean, there was some... in your house. It's time. That was a classic. You keep referencing that. Like it must have been like monumentally bad. It was one of the worst shows ever. <laughs> yeah, good grief. Well, it was main evented by Sid and Sean, wasn't it? No, Sid and Bret Hart. Oh. Mm. Sean was on the commentary, though. Ah, man. I, get, I might have to go back and watch that just to see what it was like. But, Don't. all right. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that is our show for the week. It is Christmas Eve Eve. I hope you all are having a wonderful holiday. Uh, I know I've got uh, family stuff planned, um, but on Christmas Day itself, on the 25th, this Friday, we're dropping a bonus episode. It is AWA Super Clash 3, the third one. This show was like, can you believe it was not the last one? Should have been. Yeah, it really should have been. Uh, It was not the last one, but it is probably besides the first one is the most memorable because the main event was Jerry Lawler versus uh Kerry Von Erich and for in a title unification match. Kerry Von Erich was the WCCW world champion and uh Jerry Lawler was the AWA world champion and they were supposed to unify the belts. I don't want to use this term loosely, but it was memorable. E- oh yeah. I mean it was it was memorable. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of notes for that show. So I'm very much looking forward to recording that with you. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get that done and up on Friday for your Christmas present. Some AWA Super Clash 3 under the Christmas because tree. Because apparently we hate you. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You don't want to open up a gift under the tree and you see AWA Super Clash 3. Dude, that was my dream as a kid to have the VHS of that. I never got it, though, because Santa hated me. Yeah, right. You were, brought me you were... All he brought me was wrestling toys, man. <laughs> Uh, he, he brought you some wrestling men, Miho. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, shout out to one of our loyal listeners there. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, we're rounding out the month. Speaking of hating our listeners, we're, we're rounding out the month on the thirtieth. It is New Year's Eve Eve. We are dropping WCW Starcade two thousand, the last one. We like covering firsts and last on this show. The last and WCW one. It, that's the, the last one that counts. So it is the last one. And I'm implying that this show counted. Okay. I mean. I mean. No, you said it. Uh, yeah, I mean it did. In a way. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not saying it can't. I'm not saying how it counted, Greg. It did count though. Sure. sure. But anyway, we're covering Starcade 2000 next Wednesday, and also every Monday. Don't forget to go listen to the main event, Figure Federation. We're making the show shorter now, and this Sunday is actually our second pay-per-views ever. Greg for Overdrive is bringing you Indestructible. Me for Jacked, I'm bringing you Winter Jam. This is going to be a good time had by all. Very much looking forward to that. And like I said, every Monday is a new episode of the weekly Main Event Figure Federation podcast. But all right, man. Uh, Anything you have to say to close this one out? Yes. Don't stop listening after you know you review crap, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, this Friday, I, there, there's a lot to cover, believe it or not, on the bonus show. That's why I wanted to cover this one, because there's, honestly, the news and notes portion is when I'm most looking forward to this. So, uh, we'll we'll get into all that this Friday for the bonus show, AWA Super Clash 3, 
and next Wednesday, it's WZW Starcade 2000. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a Happy New Year. Greenlight is the debit card and app for kids and teens. Now, with investing. Investing is key to building long-term wealth. And with Greenlight, your kids can learn to invest at any age. They research stocks to buy, invest as little as $1, and you approve every trade. Track progress over time and learn about the world of investing together. Ready to invest in your kids' futures? Visit greenlightcard.com today for your free month trial. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.